welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hello, Paul. How's it going today? Uh, doing well. Fantastic. Um, it feels like a lifetime since we spoke last. Lots of things going on, and, and, and including I had a trip to Florida. I'm not sure if we talked about it last time. Uh, it was supposed to be a short weekend in Florida, fly out Friday, come home Sunday morning, just very short. I wound up coming home Tuesday afternoon. Is that um, because of all the snow and you all uh, bailed snow. on your wife and made her all, shovel? All the snow. Well, my son uses the snowblower now. He's old enough to use the snowblower. So I came home. He, I showed him how to do it over the over FaceTime. So technology is wonderful. Uh, but no, it kind of, you know, it was airline troubles. We woke up on Sunday morning at 4 a.m., Flights were canceled. They moved us to a Monday flight, which was awful. Um, we we, we, we uh, did a little bit of dancing online to try to get a better flight. We decided to fly out Tuesday morning direct rather than Monday with all these kind of legs in between. Um, but the one thing I just wanted to point out was it came back to everything we've been talking about, Paul. Thankful and grateful. I got my emergency fund. Right? Yeah. There were people that when we went to the airport on Tuesday, clearly they've been living in the airport. It was nuts. And and I was thankful and grateful that my buddy and I, um, he lives a similar lifestyle, low key. We were able to turn around and, t- and tell each other, look, let's just, you know, fly out on Tuesday. We'll stay a couple extra days, a couple extra nights at the hotel. We figured it out. We worked from down there. Once again, thankful and grateful. I could work remotely with my laptop. I had it with me. I always bring my work laptop with me. But the fact that we were able to do it, I think is attributed to the, the emergency fund. Right. And we always talk about this, but this was an emergency. Um, you know, yes, it was an emergency to stay in Florida, um, but um, and, and stay in the warm weather. But it really kind of resonated when we were going through that weekend, um, that that piece. And then two other small things, Paul, uh, I got a mortgage offer in the mail today. These people got to stop wasting their uh, postage on me. I don't know how I get off these lists, but they keep offering me home equity lines and new mortgage refis, and I'm like, done. Anyone who doesn't know that inside joke, listen to the first podcast, and you'll see. Um, and then the last thing, Paul, I woke up this morning, um, and I have a you know I have a generator. We've talked about it on the show that hooks up to the house and um, getting errors on the generator. Right. So once again, like we talk about. You know, um, every day seems to be a series of problems that I have to work on, and today was the generator one. So I tested it, went outside, did a little troubleshooting, um, and now I have a, an email into the uh, generator folks to say, "Hey, you got to come here this week, check it out." So, uh, kind of highs and lows from the last uh, couple of weeks. Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing very good. Doing very good. Uh, you know, speaking of the emergency fund there, you know, I had to do some repairs in the past uh, week or so since we were talking little things, but it, it's good to have the emergency fund. Also, it, it's interesting. Your your style was to, hey, all right, let's just say spend some extra time in Florida. I also always travel with my work laptop. So, yes, but I probably would have rented a car and just driven back because I uh, that whole not being where I'm supposed to be uh, drives me a little nuts. But we we had that on the that was an option. We put that out there. Um, you know, I, my understanding anecdotally, it's been hard to rent cars one way nowadays. It, it can um, there's be. There's been but, a lot of there's been a lot of challenges. You're right. We could have we could have taken the Monday flight, which the Monday flight took us from Orlando, Florida to Buffalo, and then Buffalo into JFK in New York, and 
with everything going on, we thought that's a disaster waiting to happen. Like you take that, that flight, you're stuck in Buffalo. And sure enough, my buddy looked up that flight and it was that, and it it was a complete mess. That leg from Buffalo to JFK never happened. So Um, it's interesting (laughs) renting, renting a car though, uh, that one way rentals do cost generally a lot more, but it depends on which way you're going. It really does. So if you're going from New York to Florida, a one-way rental could cost you a lot of money for the drop-off fee. But from Florida to New York, it may not. And the logistics of it, and the reason why is because when people are leaving from one place to another, they don't have enough in that other spot. So getting cars back to New York is generally a problem. So that's why they put them on trucks and they truck them back to those areas where you driving back, you may not have had that. So for our listeners out there, if you if you do get in that bind, you want to make sure you understand the drop off fee if there is one. Um, but that's it for that. So we already started Very to get cool. into it, Paul. Very cool. No, no. And and today's podcast is with Drew Vernon. Uh, Drew is a screen fee free education ambassador, marketing director, entrepreneur, and fellow podcast host. Uh, Drew not only has wonderful insights into child development, but also some great practical advice on starting a business and uh, revolving around a cause that you believe in uh, with some extra um, excellent entrepreneurial tips and tricks for the listeners to take away. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Uh, The first news story was from CNBC, retiring with 500,000 may leave you with less than 1,300 per month to spend. Um, I thought this was an interesting story, Paul, kind of a short, short, shortish one. And I think we've talked about this in the past where the rule of thumb was in retirement, you'd get to live off of 4%. Now, you know, many, many financial advisors, given the the rates of return and and how they've lowered, um, it's now 3.3% is the new recommended recommendation as the new rule of thumb. Um, For me, I think it's always been more conservative. So, um, I've kind of always thought that um, you really need to draw less. The one thing that kind of jumped out at me was 500,000. You know, we know the state of retirement and retirement planning here in the U.S. And I'm thankful and grateful that I'm able to put money away for retirement. But for for some people, 500,000 is just going to be a super stretch goal, right? So it really is amazing. And it really kind of calls out that People really need to concentrate on retirement because if you, even if you think you're saving a lot of money, um, when you start p- drawing that money down, it's going to be very little, right? When you really think about it. But I like the rule of thumb, and I think given the returns nowadays, um, it makes sense. Paul, what was your takeaway on this story? So it, it brought me back to maybe a, so a year or so ago, Paul, maybe a little less when we talked about the four percent rule. Um, at that time, there was someone saying the 4% rule is probably more like 4.4% or 4.2% uh, was the article we referenced at the time due to the average returns and everything. However, with the economy and the state it's in with inflation and things like that, you know, drawing 3.3 makes somewhat more sense. But it's really staggering how that 0.7% on that 500000 what a difference it makes you know, you're talking with $1,300 or so a month difference in what you're able to have. Um, it's, it's a little different than my goal. I like to try and figure out how I can live just off the proceeds of the investment. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to do that at some point in my life, but I'll probably have to be a lot more frugal than I am now to do that. But uh, it, it's interesting how 
the the four percent rule was just as one analyst trying to figure out a, a good method to do it, and it's turned into a rule over the last you know thirty forty years, I believe. I think he did it. Uh, I think he did it about forty years ago. So it's been pretty interesting. But this is why you have to talk to your financial advisor and your planner and understand what it is, what your draws are going to be, and have an honest budget for yourself and what you think you're going to need in the future, as well as your emergency fund. Right, Paul? Absolutely. And just keep listening to the financial dads. We'll try to help where we can. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Um, The next story is from Bloomberg. The pandemic scramble to legalize home-based businesses. Many entrepreneurs starting companies in kitchens and garages find that city zoning codes can subject home businesses to unworkable standards or ban them altogether. Um, This was an interesting story, somewhat technical, kind of reading it through. Um, The thing that jumped out to me, Paul, and and maybe I got it wrong, I think it's a slippery slope, and it it comes down to uh, NIMBY, not in my backyard. Uh, because you know you can have a home-based business where it's it's a mom trying to bake pies in the kitchen, right? Or it could be somebody who's an auto mechanic and at six o'clock on a Saturday morning starts you know powering up the uh, the air compressor to start you know taking tires off of trucks, right? Where you know where does this all fit in, right? And that's where it gets interesting. And I'm reminded of this this acronym NIMBY, not in my backyard. So it, to me, it's it's interesting. Um, it's funny because I was also reminded of Jody, uh, our previous uh, co-host um, and, and good friend of ours. Um, he's been working out of his garage. He's got the whole setup with the podcast equipment, and he does a lot of his PR business when he's not in the office. He's actually in his garage, and and he did do some work um, when it came to uh, the house recently, but I think he still enjoys just being in the garage. So I thought that was very interesting. So, Paul, what was your take on this story? So it, it is a slippery slope. Um, and, and you do have to be careful with it. But if you look at the, the U.S. as a whole, I believe approximately 70% of all businesses are small businesses. Now, these are startups, and um, uh, we did talk about this during the pandemic as well, Paul, that there have been three times the number of startups since the pandemic than a normal year. So more and more people are, are trying to do something. That, that's a factor of a number of things. One, is it just a general fear and anxiety? Two, is it they're no longer commuting and they have this extra time and they got an idea and they're trying to do it? And part of me loves that. That's how this country started. That's how it founded. That's how it became a powerhouse is by the entrepreneurship of, uh, of our country. So, you have to be careful, as you said. But yes, I don't want the mechanic next door, you know, taking truck tires off at six in the morning. Uh, where, where I live, actually, they already do have some rules around some of those things. Gardeners, construction, no sort of work can be started before, I believe, 8 a.m. on our Saturday. And certain things like construction and such are not allowed on a Sunday at all. So yep. it, it depends. And it, it's a balance. It, it's a very, very difficult balance. But that's the engine of our of our economy in some ways, other than the shopping that people love to do. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And and, and I think with that, uh, we'll kind of jump in to the podcast. We'd like to now welcome to the podcast Drew Vernon. Drew, welcome to the show. 
Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, it's, it's, it was so wonderful when, uh, we, we, uh, when we connected. Um, lots of little things. Um, you know, we linked in this morning, Drew. We were talking about that, and, and you live in Salt Lake City, and I was exploring your LinkedIn page. I was looking through your bio, through all these different things. You've got so many things going on. you got the podcast with your daughter, Audrey. You've worked at some really cool companies. You've started businesses. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I grew up in Utah and I fell in love with business at a pretty early age uh, in high school and went to college for that. And, you know, I thought I was going to graduate and get, you know, my perfect job and and life was going to be peachy. Uh, Well, I graduated in 2008, uh, right as the financial crisis was hitting and and I found it a little harder to get a job in marketing, uh, which was my goal. Uh, and I ended up taking a job as a broker at E-Trade uh, for my first couple of years. And uh, I, I got my Series 7, Series 63 licenses and uh, trained for that. And then my first week, I think, on the phones was when uh, Bear Stearns went bankrupt and everybody was calling and they were losing half of their uh, 401ks. And it, it was intense. And I definitely have an appreciation for uh, the financial mind and, and people that can uh, deal with the heat. But ultimately, I wanted to do something in marketing. And so after a couple of years of that, I went back to school. I uh, got an MBA from the University of Wisconsin and then came out uh, from Wisconsin uh, uh, working for Procter & Gamble. So that's kind of how my marketing career started. Wow. That's that's pretty pretty diverse there, right? So you went from, yeah, the... the the 2008 recession, which was the Great Recession, I believe they call it, right? That was a tough time to, to hit the market to um, to E Trade to now back to marketing, and you, you also worked at a really neat company that I think most people really know, right? Yeah, yeah. So I spent a few years in beauty uh, consumer packaged goods, and you know I learned a lot. You know, P and G is is the uh, they call it like the Harvard of marketing. Um, but you know, I was selling lotion, I was selling uh, mascara and, and I just, I, I wasn't having any fun. And so, uh, I wanted to do something I was a little bit more naturally curious about. Uh, so I ended up, uh, going over to Lego, uh, and managing their preschool business. Wow. So, so how was it at Lego? We, I've always heard good things about it. And, and what type of stuff did you do there? Yeah. Then, like preschool, it's an interesting dynamic there. Yeah. You know, I was a lifelong fan of Lego. I think I got my first set when I was like five years old. I still remember the set. Uh, it made a lasting impression on me. Uh, grew up building. Uh, and it was great to work there. You know, great people, great company. Uh, they definitely are promoting creativity. Uh, and their goal is to, you know, inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. Um, the turning point for me was uh, when I, I was working on the Duplo brand and uh, I wanted to uh, really uh, focus on the importance of play. And so I ended up creating a program called Prescription for Play in which I partnered with pediatricians across the country uh, so that when a parent would come to a wellness checkup at 18 or 24 months, the pediatrician would give them a prescription card and tell the parent to play with the child for 15 minutes a day. And they'd give them a little product sample. And, uh, you know, I was trying to do this with you know, trying to partner with a couple hundred doctors. And I went down and exhibited at their convention and, and came away from that with, you know, 2,500 doctors that wanted to be part of the, the program. So it very quickly uh, escalated and it taught me a, a valuable lesson, which is when you create uh, something that's a win for everybody, uh, you know, it's a win for the kids, win for the parents, it's a win for the pediatrician, 
you can do amazing things. And that's when I started to think of myself a little bit less as a marketer and, and more as a, uh, an advocate for childhood development and, and for play. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And, and I think, Drew, you know, that's where I think we want to drill into next. And it's kind of funny because the financial dads, we focus on the financials and we'll get to a lot of that during the podcast. But I thought this was really cool, really fundamental and just a topic we should talk with the listeners on or give them a little insight to. Can you tell us a little bit about your focus today on this childhood development and the importance of, and I, in my house, it's, we need to do more of this and the importance of screen free education and entertainment. I can tell you, you know, my kids, um, you know, in front of the screens, just like many others, um, you try to kind of draw them away, but there's a lot of attention being paid to the phones, to the tablets, to, uh, video games, to all kinds of different things. So Paul, I mean, um, Drew, can you dig in a little bit on this, on this topic? I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, when it comes to the screen-free education and the childhood development. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, you know, I, I learn more and more about this as I, you know, spend time at these companies and I talk to educators, I talk to parents. Um, I really think that screen time is its own epidemic. Um, you know, I use a screen, my kids use a screen. I'm not saying that, you know, we're, we're completely screen free. I think some parents do make that decision. And, and if you're able to pull that off, I, I commend you. Um, where I come down is that I think children are looking at screens uh, too long, uh, too early. And so my focus really is at this earliest of ages, you know, ages two, three, four, uh, giving alternative options that will take a child away from a screen, but still using technology to uh, promote their learning and development. And so I've, I've been working on different ways uh, that you can achieve that in a way that um, you, you don't have to give your screen to a child. Because let's face it, giving a, a screen to a child is it's a crutch uh, and you, you can give them educational content. There's a lot of great, you know, Netflix shows. There's a lot of great curriculum that is screen based. Um, but it, it's also a miraculous babysitter in a lot of uh, situations where, you know, if you're working remotely, uh, if you don't have other child care, uh, screen is a fantastic way to entertain and engage a child. Uh, and if you can have that same effect without the screen, that that's what I'm trying to uh, advocate. For. Yeah, I think that's great because I think to your point, we're that textbook in my, in my household. Um, you know, my kids are older now, 17 and 11, but to your point, like I work, you know, I'm working, my wife's working kind of, you have the two income family, uh, both having full-time jobs, trying to juggle all the different priorities. Um, admittedly, you get a little lackadaisical with screen time, right? And, and probably something I'll probably regret long-term is maybe letting the kids have too much screen time, but it's all, you know, it's, it's all okay at this point. Um, and then the pandemic hits and now we went from a lot of screen time to even more screen time right? Remote learning, stuff like that. And I thought it was very interesting because I'd love to hear your thoughts on how we could better support our kids learning in this pandemic, right? Because I think it's so key because we went from a lot of screen time to even more screen time, right? So it was, it was hard to avoid. Um, I got to the point where my son, um, you know, he had so much screen time the first year of the pandemic. When it came to summer camp, he used to enjoy going to this computer sleepaway camp. They they converted to kind of a Zoom day camp. And he's like, Dad, I don't want to do it. I've had enough screens. I'm done. Right. I don't want to be on the computer learning through Zoom anymore for the summer. I need a break. And I said, OK, well, you know, we'll 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 you know, we'll we'll let it go. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on how we could better support our kids during this uh, uh, kids learning in the pandemic. 
Yeah, you know, before the pandemic, uh, well, even now, the recommendation was, uh, you know, no screen time for kids under two and then, you know, up to an hour a day uh, for for the kids as they get a little bit older. (laughs) I kind of chuckle at that now because since COVID, like, that's gone completely out the Mm. window. You know, at first I I had the parental guilt of like, oh, my, my kid is, you know on hour two or hour three of their screen time for the day. And now that it's been a couple of years of, of the pandemic, like I think a lot of our uh, parental guilt has numbed. And so uh, I'm all about giving tools that, you know, will help uh, promote the learning process and the uh, entertainment process. I am now working for a company called Tony's. Uh, it's a screen-free audio speaker for kids. It uses figures to play different songs and stories uh, so again, at these young ages, to be able to give a child an independent learning device uh, that they can use on demand without parental supervision uh, is really a great thing. And, and I love it because, you know, you've removed the visual stimulus. It's not just about the blue light that, you know, staring at a blue light, I call it zombie mode. Uh, you know, I think anybody with young kids can probably attest to this. Like you give your kid a screen, they turn into a little bit of a zombie. And uh, to do to, to give them a Tony box and to remove that visual stimulus, it actually puts the creative responsibility uh, on the listener and it helps develop their cognition because it requires them to kind of uh, imagine and visualize what's going on in the story. So, you know, that's one uh, way that you could do it. Uh, I have learned other kind of tips and tricks that don't involve a Tony box as well. I think it comes down to giving your kids specific tasks and, and giving them like a creative prompt. Um to write their own story, to write their own song, um, to work within restraints. Uh, we actually have these creative Tonys that are uh, blank. Uh, you can program your own content on here. So it's really great. My kids love to do it. I'll, I'll tell them to go out and do like an audio treasure hunt where every uh, creative Tony will have an audio clue that leads to the next character. Um, so there's, there's literally dozens and dozens of things that you can do uh, with a Tony box or, you know, if you're really serious about removing screens with, with other tools as well. That sounds really, really neat. What it brings me back to is, um, you know, someone watching the old movies and where people are actually turning on the radio to listen to anything, War of the Worlds, right, or or, or something like that, where they have to visualize it themselves and create that universe within their brain. And that, that simulates a lot because we are very much a, a visual being right so when you're seeing something that catches your eye oh shiny object great but i I, it's really neat it it, it, it's really neat so what kind of uh i would kind of actually want to dig into that a little bit more if you don't mind like what what kind of other examples i heard the treasure hunt which sounds really kind of neat what other types of things are they are they doing with this component yeah. Yeah. So again, the, there's two types of Tonys. There's content Tonys. Those are preloaded. Those are going to have all of their storybook favorites, uh, Peppa Pig, Paw Patrol, Mickey Mouse, uh, Pete the Cat, Dr. Seuss. Uh, so you can really build out an on-demand audio library with the content Tonys. I really love the creative Tonys because they are the ones that come blank. Uh, so in addition to the treasure hunts, you know, I'll tell my kids to go write a, a story about worms or a poem about worms. And I'll tell them it has to be four verses. It has to rhyme and go. And, and that, that gives them enough of a constraint or a boundary uh, that that's where creativity works the best is if you're giving them a creative prompt or a creative uh, constraint. Uh, 
We can also, you can do pen pal programs. If your friend has a Tony box, you can uh, record messages where you can listen to your friend's message on demand or actually the, the most popular kind of what I call a pen pal program is with grandparents because grandparents can record a, a bedtime story or a special message for their grandchild. Uh, they can record it on their phone and send it to the little figure. And so the, the child can hear from grandma or grandpa on demand anytime. I love on. that one. That's really kind of cool. So oh, I like that one. So the, does the grandparent need one or how do they record that content to get to that device? Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, we started this out and thinking that it was just going to be the grandparents talking to the, the, the grandchild, which they can do without a Tony box. They just need to record the message into the app. And, and a lot of grandparents will do that. We're, we're seeing increasingly grandparents want two-way communication with their grandkids. And it's kind of like taking the parent out of the equation because normally like grandparents don't have direct access to, to the grandchildren. But if they both have Tony boxes, it's a little bit of like a, um, you know, a, a pen pal program where, you know, the kid could talk back to the, the grandparent using a Tony. But nicely talk back, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not talking back, like return of communication. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Wow. That, that's really neat. I'm sorry, Paul, go ahead. You got them. No, yeah, oh. I, I love this. I love this technology. Uh, I wish I had this available when I was a little kid, and, and I wish it was available when my kids were little. Uh, it sounds very cool. I'm wondering how we can kind of tie this in in terms of financial dads. And the one thing that comes to mind is how can we leverage you know this technology to teach financial literacy? Um, that's a big thing that we tout. Uh, Drew, um, we've talked about it on a number of podcasts where there's just not enough financial basics education happening at the you know the high school level or the even even the the grammar school level, right? And I'm wondering how we might be able to use some of these uh, technologies to kind of teach financial literacy. I love that idea. Yeah. This, sorry, sorry, Drew. This is actually no, that's okay. I, I this is like speaking to my heart because that was one of my biggest gripes about you know my education was that I had to basically major in business before I had a class on personal finance, uh, and that was like my junior year of college. And by that point, I'd probably taken six or seven science classes, and you know. Uh, ton, you know, a ton of math classes. And so uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about teaching financial literacy. I think the earlier, the better. Um, so uh, we're developing our content from, uh, from the content Tony standpoint. Um, we actually started in Germany about six years ago. They've been uh, really successful. We came to the U.S. about 18 months ago. So I can't say that we have a ton of uh, out-of-the-box financial content at this point. I think we'll probably grow into that. But with the creative Tonys, uh, it's really up to you and what content you put on there. So I was actually thinking before the call, you could put on stories of, you know, teaching literacy, like I, the, the old Aesop's fable, uh, the ant and the grasshopper came to mind. Like you could put that on a creative Tony, you could something, you know, less on the story side of things. If it was like actual, you know, tips and tricks for saving, or if you're going to wrap it up into a, a game or a story, any of that can be programmed. Uh, for an on-demand listening experience. That's great. Hey, hey Paul, maybe we should uh, de develop a series for that, and then we, we can get it on there somehow. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> Drew, we, we've had, we got so many uh, things in the fire, SEO and social media, and now the Tonys, right? There's so many things that we could do, because if you, if you don't, you're, I'm hoping it comes through on all our podcasts, and especially today as well, um, we're very passionate about this topic, right? Very passionate about 
teach, or I don't want to say teaching, but informing people of our mistakes, our wins, um, and, and trying to uh, use the word evangelize, but, you know, just try to, you know, talk to the audience. And, and it's true because we don't, you know, this is just two guys. We do it as a hobby. We're, we're, we're passionate about it enough to keep it going for several years now. We put time into the show, all this kind of stuff. So we're really passionate about teaching financial literacy. So yeah, it's, it sounds excellent, Paul. It was probably an overwinded uh, roundabout way to say, yes, I agree with you. That is a long way to say that. <laughs> that is a long way. Wow. So, so here's the thing. Here's, here's the easiest way that we can promote financial literacy is, is through our content partners. And so, you know, we make the figures, we make the Tony boxes, and we do our own uh, content as well. But the easiest way for us to put content onto a Tony is to partner with somebody. So, you know, we've partnered with National Geographic on, you know, wildlife content, dinosaurs, things like that. Uh, we did a partnership with Go Noodle on mindfulness content. You know, they're in like 90% of uh, elementary schools. They came to us and said, hey, all of our mindfulness content involves kids staring at a TV screen. So we, we created a screen-free mindfulness experience. Um, we partnered with LeVar Burton on teaching uh, social and emotional development uh, in kids. Uh, he's a brand ambassador of ours. Uh, I'm actually working on a story time and donation event with, with him uh, next month. Uh, so yeah, let's find a, a content partner that can teach financial literacy. Uh, we'll use their content or co-create content. We'll put it on a figure and we'll help promote this at the uh, early education level. Wow. That, that'd be fun. All right, cool. Cool. And, and these devices don't seem outlandishly pricey either, you know? So it sounds like it's obtainable for most. Uh, no, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're comparing it to a Chromebook or, or something that, you know, a lot of kids have these days, it, it's very affordable. It's, it's about a hundred dollars for the box. Uh, and then the figures run uh, between 12 and $15 each. Very neat. Very neat. So I think, um, uh, Paul, I think you had another question there. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I love this and we'll talk a little bit more. Um, and, and it's a, and a surprise at the end, I think, uh, in terms yes. of these Tonys. So we appreciate that. We'll, we'll go into that towards the end, but I'd love to switch gears a little bit and, and talk about, um, your, your, your idea and your business venture with the Connecticut daycare business. I thought that was an awesome concept, right? And, and you've had a lot of entrepreneurial experience in addition to your corporate life. And we just love to hear a little bit about that journey in terms of creating that business and taking it forward and kind of how it, how the end result came out. So I'd love if you could take us through that for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was living in Connecticut, uh, working for Lego, um, just outside of Hartford and, uh, you know, I was managing the preschool business and, and kind of, uh, wanting to do a little bit more in the early education space. So I had an idea, um, to create a drop-in daycare, uh, which was designed to be a place where parents could drop off their kids just for an hour or two. So they could go to the movies, go on a date, out to dinner, do their shopping, uh, go to the gym, things like that. So uh, I ended up creating Connecticut's first drop-in daycare that was uh, state licensed. Uh, and I, I, just, I learned a lot about uh, entrepreneurship, uh, made a lot of mistakes, but uh, came away, uh, you know, learning a lot. And then uh, kind of a uh, unintended result was just learning a little bit about the, uh, the child care system in, in Connecticut and seeing kids come from different backgrounds, you know, um, you know, everything from dual income, uh, affluent parents to, uh, taking in kids from the foster care system and, and kind of the state, uh, umbrella, uh, to help care for these kids. So that is actually, uh, driven a lot of my passion and enthusiasm for childhood advocacy as well. 
Wow. So with that, I, you, know, it, you have tremendous amount of experience already in really what I would call early childhood development. And uh, I, one, I applaud you for that because not everyone has the patience, time, energy to do that. But but it seems like you, you really found to make it work for you and and your family. Now, with, with these Tonys, like, do you have data on on how much they're used and interacted with? And does that help you, you know, continue to drive content to help really promote this method? I, I The reason why I like it so much is going back to the visualization, right? The peop, letting the children use their own mind to draw that picture. Kind of like reading a book like we used to do. Yeah. Yeah, really, uh, I feel like I'm on a journey because, you know, I'm the marketing director. And so my job is to sell Tony boxes. And, you know, right now that what we know works, what has worked in Germany, you know, in six years, they've become the, the fastest growing toy in Europe. Uh, they're the number three toy brand behind Lego and Playmobil in, in Germany right now. Uh, and so that's like my first job is tell everybody about Elsa, tell everybody about Mickey Mouse, tell everybody about Peppa Pig. And it works and it's great entertainment. But my goal, again, because I have this passion for development is to show more on like what positive outcomes we can achieve through the Tony box. And so I'm gathering data. I created a program called Tony's for Teachers. Uh, we're instructing educators on how to use a Tony box in a classroom uh, and libraries. Uh, I'm actually working with a state representative in the state of Delaware right now to put Tony boxes in all of the state's public libraries. And we're doing pilot programs so that we can go out and gather data so that we can prove that, hey, not only is this a great uh, engaging device that's going to entertain your child, but it's also one where you can literally uh, curate the curriculum for a child, whether it's in a home setting or a classroom setting, you can make the world uh, immediately available to a tiny little hand and a tiny little mind. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. And that's why I think it's so important above and beyond the, the play factor and the toy factor. Like I really do believe that we can help uh, change the, the, the trajectory of, of education um, because it's, it's, it's such a fascinating device with limitless possibilities. Yeah. That's so funny. So Drew, I, it's, you brought me back way back with Peppa Pig. That was a favorite in my house with my daughter. <laughs> uh, my son loved a, pro, a, pro, a, a program called Jakers. Uh, I don't even know if anyone knows what it is. It was the Adventures of, of, of Piggly, uh, Piggly Winks. Um, it was an amazing show. Uh, and, and so I, I spent a lot of time watching Peppa Pig and, and Jakers. That was just kind of an aside. But I love the passion. When you spoke for the last couple of minutes, I love the passion about the Tonys and, and more importantly, the passion about the cause that your that your company is is focused on, right? I could hear it in your voice and all throughout this podcast. Um, and one of the questions that stands out to me is there's a lot of people out there that would love to work in a either start a business or work in a business that revolves around a cause that they're passionate about. I have my own and I've talked a little bit about it on the show and I've been able to uh, take technology and apply it to uh, to some of that, which has been very interesting. But for you, I hear it in your voice, right? So it sounds like you wake up and you're you're charged up to kind of really focus and and working on a business that you truly believe in. How does how do people? What's your advice to people that want to jump into those shoes, right? People that are in a job now or want to start a business where you know I'd really like to do that to help X. What no matter what that cause is, how do they get started? 
Yeah, that's, that's a great question because it's not as easy as just waking up and being like, hey, I don't like my job. <laughs> right. I want to do something else that I care about. Like, you know, I spent five years in beauty CPG and, you know, I, they call it brand building. But really, you know, for a long time early in my career, like I was making coupons for the Sunday paper for, you know, Jergens body lotion. And, you know, that just wasn't like that wasn't the float in my boat. And so, like, I wanted to get something. So I, I made a gradual step just by going to a. a a company that I was more naturally curious about. Interesting, you know, Lego, you could argue like, well, yeah, it's easy to get it charged up when you're working for a company like Lego. But uh, my advice to answer your question is, is I've, I've found little uh, small ways of getting more involved. So apart from working full time, I've done like some freelance consulting. So even if it's not part of your full time job, like go on Upwork or go on one of these sites where you can, you know, pitch for a project that sounds interesting to you, do it part-time or on the side and, and see, you know, if you can build it into something bigger. Um, and, and maybe, and maybe that'll get you into a, a more interesting category or industry. Um, but you know, I, I learned kind of on the other extreme of things, you know, I started the business, uh, while I was working for Lego. So I, I had the safety net of a paycheck, which a lot of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs don't have. But, you know, I jumped in full force. Uh, and before I knew it, I had a payroll of, of 10 people. I was paying rent expense. And, and I really, uh, I was not prepared for the uh, the overhead uh, of running, you know, my own daycare on top of a full-time job. And, and that's what ultimately led me to selling the business. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely exciting, you know, when you're on the hook for, things as an entrepreneur, you definitely have that, that charge and, and uh, hopefully you're doing something that you are passionate about. That is very cool. And I think one of the, one of the last things I, I really love to dig in with you today, uh, can you tell us a little about, a little bit about your podcast with Audrey? I, I listened to it a little yeah. bit before. It was, it was, it was great by the way. I love, and I, I found myself thinking, man, I think Drew has found a way to also kind of provide a teachable moment to his daughter. It's very telling. As she gets on, she's got a lot of confidence on the microphone. She's talking freely. I just thought it was well done. Um, I'm listening to the little snippets. So congratulations on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about that and and how you got to do that. And and, and what do you think are some of the teachable moments that you've been able to give your daughter in terms of doing the podcast with her? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this was a kind of a project that came out of the COVID lockdown. She was in preschool and her preschool shut down for like three months and I was working from home. So I found myself with, you know, two or three hours a day, you know, with Audrey. Um, and so we started a podcast called Childhood. And uh, the, the whole premise of it is that we, we share our childhoods together um, because I was a former I was a child formerly. Uh, I'm trying to tap back into to that, um, and and she is a child, and so uh, you know the primary audience for the podcast is, is me and her. Basically, I'm just tr- kind of creating an archive of, of her childhood, and, and so if people want to listen in, that's that's totally fine. That's not my main objective, but my goal is to kind of give her the creative prompts. I always uh, I usually uh, ask her if she has any songs or stories for me and, and, and she'll give some, sometimes it's gibberish. Sometimes, you know, she's getting better though. And, and, and that's the practice of it is that if I give her a character, I give her a conflict, I give her uh, an antagonist or protagonist. I teach her the elements of storytelling, you know, what's the twist, what's the uh, obstacle. And she's getting to the point, even at five years old, where she's able to pull out a story out of, you know, impromptu um just because she's had the practice and at this point you know we're 50 episodes in she's expecting it and she's ready for it so i i am really inspired by her growth and creativity at a young age 
That's very cool. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, doing podcasts, uh, I say this all the time, we, I have to listen back to what we say. And I think, I think practice helps improve, right? And anything you do, right? Whether it's golf, whether it's podcasting, whatever. So I find myself listening back to some of our podcasts. And, and you're right. If you listen to some of our first podcasts versus some of our later podcasts, I think you'll hear a notable difference. But it's great that, you're, that your daughter has developed that level of confidence in front of the microphone. I think that's great. And I think that's going to help her with everything, right, in terms of school and life down the road. So I think that's excellent. Um, I think with that, we'll, we'll kind of go into the summary recap. I, I, if you don't mind, I'll start. I think the one thing that you hit on for me, um, Drew, was, and the takeaway for today was those, the, finding those small ways to get involved. I thought that was great. Um, I have an example that comes to mind. I, I'm not going to go into it too deep, but I had an example where I volunteered for something. I didn't know anything about the topic, um, and then I dove deep into the topic, and I really learned a lot just by raising my hand and say, I'll work on that. And I'll leave it at that. So I love that the advice that you gave around small ways to get involved. Um, so I'm going to leave that as my kind of my takeaway uh, among, with, among uh, different, many other things that are going through my head right now. But Paul, what's your takeaway from today? I, I, I am just so thrilled that there, there's something out there that almost brings back that old school radio where kids have to, you know, take that and, build that mental picture themselves and that it's thriving, at least in, in Europe and hopefully more here in the States as well. I think that's absolutely a wonderful complement of technology and, and building it out. And I love Drew that you, you keep following your passion to help teach kids that it's not about the screen, right? That's kind of what a lot of this is, whether you're looking at the Legos or Duplos or any of this, it's, it's all non-screen stuff, which is just wonderful. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we didn't have the iPads when my kids were younger because I, I probably would have used it to quote you, Drew, as a crutch at times. Um, fortunately, we did not do that. So I, 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 I missed that by just a few years probably. But I'm, I'm excited by this. I'm actually kind of thrilled that this is out there. Um, I'm not in that market space, so that's probably why I didn't know about the device till earlier, but it's really neat. So well, well done, and I, I wish you lots of success with it as well. Very cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and Drew, we'll let you have the last word. And, and, and you know, like I said, we want to find, you know, tell people where they can find you and connect with you and all this good stuff. Um, so, so take it away before we kind of close the show out. Yeah, sure thing. So you actually um, – prompted something that I hadn't thought about, which is financial literacy. So I love, you know, hearing new ideas and, and new ways to use a Tony box. So any of your listeners who, who wants to learn more or has ideas for partnership or, you know, getting uh, started in a school or, or uh, a different setting, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. We can uh, make my contact info uh, available. I uh, also wanted to give uh, a Tony box to one of your listeners, uh, use it as, as a giveaway. Uh, so I'll let you kind of uh, determine how you want to promote that and what your method of selection is. But uh, for 
anybody who's not uh, lucky enough to win uh, the, the free Tony box, uh, if you go to Tony's.com and put Tony podcast in the, uh, the checkout, uh, that'll actually give you 15% off. So anybody interested could uh, get a little bit of a price cut on that. That is very cool. And I think the way we'll do it, and thank you for your generosity. We really appreciate that. I'm going to, I think we'll let people listen to the podcast. And when they hear this at the end, they have to get all the way to the end. Uh, we'll post something on the Facebook page um, related to, you know, winning the Tony and they can, they could, they could like the page, right? Like the comment. And then based on the number of likes, we'll, we'll kind of put the names in a hat and then we'll announce and we'll, we'll do a drawing and then we'll work behind the scenes to, uh, to figure out the logistics. So, um, that's great. So thank you very much for that. And for the discount code as well, I think our listeners will, will really embrace this. And I know it's a little different than what we normally talk about with the, the financial dads, but we had a lot of good stuff here in terms of the entrepreneurship and, and financial literacy and the technology piece and working with your kids. And I, so thank you. This was an excellent podcast. We really love having you and hope to have you back again at some point soon. Yeah, I'd love to, to be here. I, I really appreciate you bringing me on the show. Uh, it's it's great to, uh, to sit down and chat. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Paul and Drew, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Uh, thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the financial dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.